0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this 16th Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, beginning at verse 4. Tell those who have a fearful heart, be strong, do not be afraid. Look, your God will come with vengeance. With God's own retribution, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unplugged. The cripple will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Waters will flow in the wilderness, and streams in the wasteland. The burning sand will become a pool, and the thirsty ground will be springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning at the 17th verse. Every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the lights, who does not change or shift like a shadow. Just as he planned, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creations. Remember this, my dear brothers, let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Certainly a man's anger does not bring about what is right before God. So after getting rid of all moral filthiness, and overflowing wickedness, receive with humility the word planted in you. It is able to save your souls. Be people who do what the word says, not people who only hear it. Such people are deceiving themselves. In fact, if anyone hears the word and does not do what it says, he is like a man who carefully looks at his own natural face in a mirror. Indeed, He carefully looks at himself, and then he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continues to do so since he does not hear and forget, but actually does what it says, that person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself to be righteous or religious, but deceives his own heart because he does not bridle his tongue, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled in the sight of God the Father is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, beginning at the 31st verse. Jesus left the region of Tyre again and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of the Decapolis. He brought a, they brought a man to him who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They pleaded with Jesus to place his hands on him. Jesus took him aside in private, away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears, then he spit and touched the man's tongue. After he looked up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephrathah, which means be opened. Immediately the man's ears were opened, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus gave the people strict orders not to tell no one, but the more they, he did so, the more they kept proclaiming it. They were amazed beyond measure and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, beginning at the 31st verse. I would like to read these words once again. Jesus left the region of Tyre again and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, within the region of the Decapolis. They brought a man to him who was deaf and had a speech impediment. They pleaded with Jesus to place his hand on him. Jesus took him aside in private, away from the crowd. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. After he looked up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephrathah, which means be opened. Immediately the man's ears were opened, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus gave the people strict orders to tell no one, but the more he did so, the more they kept proclaiming it. They were amazed beyond measure and said, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ and heirs of everlasting life, If you don't use it, you could lose it. And that is true of many things, isn't it? And especially when it comes to language. My grandmother in her 70s, I remember um, asking her of how she grew up and what her parents were like. And, And she said they spoke only German, no English. In fact, she was actually confirmed in the German language. And when I asked her to share some German with me, she says, I don't remember a lot of it anymore. Oh, I could still read it. I can still pick it up here or there. But I've lost it over time. And once again, if you don't use it, you could lose it. When I went to college, uh, they had us learn five different languages, English being one of them. I always laugh and and to say that out of all the languages I studied, English was my worst one. And then along with it was Latin, and, and then there was uh, the German, and of course the Greek, because that's the New Testament language, and the Hebrew, which is the Old Testament language. We had to learn of the Latin and the German, especially to read the writings of the scholars and even of Martin Luther. But if you don't lo- use it, you will lose it. And I have to honestly say that the Latin and German I don't use as much as I did when I was in school. Oh, yes, I can pull up a dictionary. I still know some of the grammar, but I have to work at it much more harder than, than I did when I was in school. Now, the, the Greek and the Hebrew, well, that I use almost every day, especially in my sermon studies and also in preparation for my Bible studies. But there was also another language I learned. There was actually a club at the pastor school that I went to, Northwestern College. And the club was for sign language. So every week we'd get together for at least an hour and a half to two hours learning sign language. Now it has been a long time since I've used sign language. In fact, I can honestly say I've lost the alphabet. Oh, I might pick up a letter here or there, but I'd have to double check to make sure I'm doing it right. And besides teaching sign language to the refrain of Jesus loves me to kids, there's about four words. Because I was just thinking about this the other day. What words could I still recall? Well, I still remember the word for boy, I still remember the word for baby. I also remember the word for hungry, and then I also remember the word for beer. (laughs) Why? Why all the things that that you could think of and and remember, and those are the things that have stuck with me. It is amazing how our brain works. Now, those might not even be the symbols for today, because over time, you know, like with any language, it can easily change, and, and, of course, I'm sure that they've improved on the universal sign language that is used today. What I also find amazing is as we read this text here and consider these words before us, the sign language that Jesus used. I don't believe for one minute that there was a universal sign language during the time of Jesus. And yet, no notice how Jesus speaks to this man who cannot hear and has a difficulty speaking. Before we get and consider what Jesus has done for this man, we have to also consider where Jesus was before all this. He was up in Tyre, and there he had had performed a miracle uh, at the request of a mother who asked that Jesus would heal her daughter who was suffering terribly from demon possession. And Jesus did. This was up in the area, what would be called Phoenicia. This is is the the northwest area above Galilee. And Jesus, after he got done performing that miracle, didn't head back down to Galilee, Galilee, which would be south. Instead, he took the long about way and goes way up north to Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were the two major cities in this area. And all along the Mediterranean Sea. Jesus will eventually head down to Galilee and now gets into the region of the Decapolis. And that is the region that is straight east of the Jordan, but also southeast of the Sea of Galilee. It's a unique area. In fact, many Jews would travel this area in order to avoid Samaria. It is the Decapolis which is literally the word for ten cities. It was originally founded by the followers of Alexander the Great and later rebuilt by several Roman governors. It had its own coinage. It had its own army. But above all, it was predominantly Gentile. These, this was a place of non-Jew. This was not the first time that Jesus was in this area. In fact, quite possibly, he crossed this area all the time. And the miracle that we have before us was actually not the first miracle he would perform in this area. The first one was when he came to the area and met a man who was also demon-possessed, and the demon called himself Legion. In other words, he had, oh, tens of thousands of demons inside of him. Jesus actually called these demons out of the man who went, and these demons went into pigs who went over a cliff and and died. The owners of the pigs told Jesus to leave this area, and they were basically yelling at him. But the man who had been healed asked to follow him. And Jesus, instead of having him follow him, told him, instead, go back home and share what you have seen and heard. And the man did. Now when Jesus comes, he's not being rejected. Oh, they very much welcome The Savior coming to them. In fact, Jesus is actually, as we hear from the Gospel of Matthew, he's up on a mountain praying and people see him and they're bringing all kinds of people for Jesus to place his hands on and to heal them. Mark only speaks of one miracle. Out of all the miracles, he only speaks of this one. The miracle of this man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. I find this amazing. It obviously had to be a miracle that really stood out in the minds of the apostles. Many believe that it was Peter who dictated to Mark to write down the Gospel of Mark. And one thing that stands out with this miracle is actually Jesus took this man and separated him from the crowd. He talked to him one-on-one, because this one man was very important. Yes, they asked that Jesus would lay his hands on them, but Jesus didn't do that. This man was so important that Jesus took time just for him. I find this to be touching, because we do not have a God who is simply out there someplace, leaving us to our own fate, and letting us try to figure out life ourselves. This is a God who cares. This is a God who's right here. Even Jesus himself said, we're two or three together, together in my name. I'm in the midst of them, in the middle of them. I am with them, and our Savior is with us now. You see, this man was not just simply a number on a page. This was not a man who walked around with a social security number this was a man that Jesus took time for and he cares about each and every one of us yes, individually when I was growing up I remember watching TV and movies where the person would pray to God you you don't see that so much anymore and it and it's sad. And I remember, I remember that oftentimes these TV shows or movies would always show the child in bed and wanting to pray to God. So they hopped out of bed, got to the side of the bed, having their elbows on the mattress with their hands folded. And then the words were usually this way God, if you have time, I have a, I have a difficult matter. I really need you to listen. If you have time, could you squeeze me in? When I hear of Jesus spending time and setting this man aside and concerned about this man individually, we don't have a God that we ever have to pray to. God, do you have time? God, can you make time? I know, God, you're extremely busy, but I could really use your help. No, we pray with confidence that God does hear and answer our prayers. Don't ever limit God's love for you hearing and answering your prayers. Oh yes, he may not answer them the way you, you want, but he'll answer them in the best possible way, at the best possible time, and which gives glory to his holy name and also for the saving of souls. You have a God who cares for each and every one of you individually and also compassionately. When Jesus took the man aside, he goes and does something rather strange. He usually doesn't perform miracles doing this. And that is, he put his finger in the man's ear, and the man let him. He actually spit and touched the man's tongue. The man would have had to open his mouth, and he's letting Jesus With his hands, touch his tongue. And then Jesus looks up to heaven, and his face has a sigh on it. Now, it doesn't take a medical professional to figure out what Jesus is saying and doing. Putting his finger in his ear, I'm going to heal your ear. Touching his tongue, I'm going to give you the ability to speak. Looking up to heaven is to give all praise and glory to the one and showing where all this power and miracle and healing is coming from. It comes from the Almighty himself. But then he goes and speaks, which this man would not be able to hear. But he speaks in the Aramaic for all the others to hear. Ephrathah be opened. And the man was healed could hear. He could talk, and as it says here, plainly, clearly. Once again, what an an amazing miracle. Do you know that the word miracle in the, the original language means sign? Oftentimes translated miraculous signs. So always think of the miracles of Jesus as simply his calling card. And this calling card says the same thing. No matter what the miracle is, it always states that Jesus is the Son of God. The very Son of God who took on human flesh and is fully man. The very Son of God who took on human flesh so he could live the life that we could not live, being by nature sinful human beings. He was perfect and holy. He went and offered that perfect life on the cross for the sins of the world. He paid the punishment for our sins in our behalf. Again, this was not a punishment that any of us could suffer and live and he did it for us. His invitation is that through faith in him, we have his righteousness, the ticket to heaven, and we have the forgiveness because the sins have been paid in and because he is God, this forgiveness, this righteousness, this hope, this joy, salvation, is for all people. For he is the Savior of all. We do not look upon Jesus as one Savior among many. There are so many different gods that people are believing in. There are some religions that are up to over 18,000 gods. There is only one true God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, as he clearly reveals himself in the Holy Word. And the very Son of God took on human flesh to be our Savior, making him the only Savior We need a Savior who's not just God, who's not just a human. We need a Savior who is fully God and fully man in one person. For any other kind of Savior cannot save us. Every time you hear of the miracles of Jesus and you read them in his holy word, know that this is his calling card. He is the Son of God. And the Son of Man, who is all-powerful. There is one word here that we have not considered, and I personally believe it's one of the most important words in, in this entire section. It's the word immediately. The man heard immediately. He didn't go to physical therapy. He wasn't going to be required to have more surgery. He heard immediately. Immediately, he spoke immediately this is almighty power the prayers of this man were answered and all glory and praise be to our Lord because when our Lord invites us to pray to him keep in mind that the power of prayer is not simply how you pray or how often you pray or how many people pray with you but rather the power of prayer is found in the fact that our almighty god who has almighty power has the power to hear and answer our prayers and don't ever limit the power that god has to do the impossible oh he may once again not answer the prayer our prayers the way we want but he has the almighty power to heal but above all this is our almighty god who saves But that's not the only thing that was immediate. Immediately, people were starting to proclaim what was happening. Jesus even went so far as to give them strict orders not to tell anyone, which may seem very strange to us. But keep in mind, this is at the end of Jesus' ministry, and the crowds were overwhelming him. And Jesus would oftentimes tell people that at this time, don't tell anyone, because he needed this time to spend with his disciples as he prepared them for the upcoming suffering and death and his resurrection, as well as his ascension back into heaven. But the people couldn't help it. They had to proclaim what was burning in their hearts and the joy and the uh, amazement that came. And then certainly our very Savior, who after he rose from the dead, would give the holy command to make disciples of all nations, would tell his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And we join those disciples of old, for we too can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard with joy in our hearts knowing that the Savior we have is one great, awesome and wonderful Savior, the Savior who's the Savior of all. I find these words to be very refreshing as I prepared for this sermon because I don't know about you, at times I have felt uh, what's going on in our country at times rather frustrating. And I'm not here to, to bash leaders. I'm just saying that the things that are going on You just, and especially just coming off of the celebration of 9-11, which even saying celebration doesn't even make sense. It, remembering what happened 20 years ago and, and where I was at, I was at my parents. I just got done preaching that Sunday for my home pastor's anniversary. He was like 40 years in the ministry, and and how my parents had to bring me back because there were just no flights. There was just there was absolutely uh, no trains. I mean, we looked into rent cars, nothing. And yet, in the light of that, and then you hear with all the talk about COVID and all the talk about Afghanistan and all the talk and all the talk of what's going on, and, and even politically, and all this going on, I, I find myself almost considering the words that I've heard from people say to me, Pastor, just don't even watch TV. Or I've heard people say, I'm, I don't even watch it anymore. I don't even want to hear it or know. And whether that's good advice or not, I will say this. We have an almighty Savior. We have a Savior who cares about us individually. We have a Savior who is compassionate with with that grace and mercy which is undeserved love. We have a Savior who is powerful and nothing is greater than the almighty God himself. All the more to cling to our God, be comforted by his miracles knowing he has not deserted us, he is with us. This wonderful Savior and great healer, amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, amen.